0: to the stage. Thanks, Andrew. Hey, well, uh, again, um, it is so good just to be together, isn't it? And uh, it's been quite a season that we're in. I want to start off today with some COVID-19 humor. I thought it would be a great uh, icebreaker. Not that there's any ice to break, but I just love saying that. Okay, ready? Ready, my laughers? You ready? What's the difference between COVID-19 and Romeo and Juliet? One's the coronavirus. The other is a Verona crisis. We can only go up from here. Hey, I ran out of toilet paper and had to start using old newspapers. Boy, oh boy, times are rough. ka <laughs> The grocery stores in France look like tornadoes hit them. All that's left is debris. I'll tell you a coronavirus joke now, but you'll have to wait two weeks to see if you got it. Did you hear that Finland has closed its borders? Do you know what that means? It means that no one will be crossing the finish line getting hot in here what do you tell yourself when you wake up late for work and realize you have a fever self I so late okay last one did you hear the joke about the germ never mind I don't want to spread it around thank you that feels so genuine I think it is really good for us to laugh when you consider uh, what we've gone through. It's been quite a year and and like we're not, we're just over halfway (laughs) through 2020. And as I was preparing for this weekend, I kept, my mind kept going back to the first talk I did uh, January, uh, the first uh, weekend of January, 2020. And this this is literally from the intro, from my notes. This is what I wrote. This year is significant, 2020, perfect vision. We're gonna be hearing that a lot. New year, new decade, it's an election year, so we have lots of heartwarming ads and social media posts to look forward to, smiley face. And I, you know, I looked at that and I just sat at my desk, I thought, boy oh boy, little did we know what was coming our way. And um, I remember the day when we, I vividly remember the day when we decided, we made the decision to cancel our weekend gatherings. And, you know, we, we were discussing and, and as leaders and, 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 you know, we're hearing all the news. We're hearing Governor DeWine and all this stuff coming our way. And literally it's like, like, is this the end of the world? So many questions. And I, and that day I left and I, I went out in the parking lot. I just sat in my car for a bit. You know, we, like I said, we'd canceled the weekend services and I took a big breath as I sat there and I felt this wave of fear and anxiety just, just crash. On me, and I sat in my car, and I thought, "So what's going to happen to VCDC? Are people just going to, you know, drift away from the church family? Are we like, are these this online church thing? Is it going to work when we reopen? Like, not knowing when we would reopen, when we do that, will will anyone uh, will anyone come back?" And as I sat in my car, and just feeling all that anxiety. I did what we've always said to do, to make an exchange with the Lord. And I gave him that anxiety and I prayed this simple little prayer. I sat there and I said, Jesus, only you can hold our church family together. And what a wonderful realization. What am I gonna do? What, what's the staff gonna do? What are we really gonna do? So Jesus, only you. And now four months later looking out at all of your wonderful faces, I am thankful and confident that Jesus has answered and will continue to answer that prayer to hold us together as a church family. Because again, who knows where this is going? It's such strange times. And as you look around the country and the planet at spiking numbers and all the different stuff that's going on, uh, there's still a lot of uh, questions that are out there. And so first thing I wanna do this morning is I wanna say thank you to you for your patience and your perseverance during this crazy time. I know for many uh, uh, it, it's not been easy. There's been a, a sense of loneliness. You've really felt very disconnected, isolated, and there's been, a, there's been, a and I think this is a good thing, there's been a real homesickness for our church family uh, and for our weekend gathering. So thank you for for your patience. Uh, here's what I want to talk about today is, you know, here in this reopening weekend. Uh, really, I want, to, I want to give us a challenge. I feel like the Lord is, is giving us a challenge. You may not have noticed, but we just celebrated 4th of July. Did you, did you notice that? Uh, American independence. Uh, and Helen and I were talking, my wife Helen, and <clears throat> we realized that this year was our 20th year celebrating, living in the States, celebrating 4th of July, which is like, have I been asleep? Where did that went so quickly? And even though it was our 20th time of celebrating, this year was the first time, it was, just, it was a unique celebration. It was the first time that I couldn't stop thinking about the name of this great nation, the United States of America. And really, it was not, just the, not so much the name, it was one word in the name, the United States. States of America. Uh, that word kept going around my mind. The word united means made into or caused to act as a single entity, right? The strength of this nation, it, really it's, it's rooted in a unity. It's rooted in, in the fact that a group of people, different people, are choosing to embrace a vision that's bigger than themselves. And, and so when I consider that, Uh, And and I think the reason why the word unity just was rolling around my mind is that I don't remember a time uh, where we've had so little unity in this country. I don't know if I remember a time where uh, uh, there has been so much division. I mean, it's sort of the perfect storm. You've got an election year, you've got COVID-19, you've got racial unrest and issues going on in the country, and that equals Very uh, pretty uh, high levels of, of division. And you know, I can't remember a time of such strong polarization. Well there's certain issues, many issues, where it's, it's, it's literally driving us apart from each other, uh, dividing lines like you've got, you know, over here you've got Republicans. And, and if I point towards you, I'm not trying to say anything, but over here you've got Republicans. Over here you've got Democrats. On this, you know, one side you've got people who are saying COVID-19 is real. On the other side, people are like, COVID-19 is a total scam. You've got CNN. You've got Fox News. Hey, we should be wearing masks. We, we don't need to wear masks. Uh, defund the police empower the police black lives matter all lives matter pizza with pineapple pizza without pineapple okay that's the I needed to end on a funny one because I felt the room polarizing but there's but is it not true that there's so much division right now and 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 but this is really important that list that I just read to you that's just what I've observed and heard within our church family and to think that we've got 5 more months until until the election when i think of us as a church family just like what i said about the, uh, the united states our strength is also rooted in our unity we're a group of people all these different people have, are embracing choosing to embrace a vision that's that's bigger that's bigger than ourselves division is a messy thing division destroys relationships, Uh, more importantly, really most importantly as Christians, as followers of Jesus, division gets in the way of us being the people of God, it gets in the way of us doing uh, the work that God has given us to do, so so here's my challenge, this is where I'm going today, Uh, for many of us, myself included, it's time for a game plan adjustment, well what does that mean? Uh, think about the Buckeyes. Okay, now, hey, now I'm listening. Think about Ohio State football, right? Think about this last season where, what did we see over and over and over? You know, the Buckeyes, the game would start, first quarter they'd come out, and you'd be like, come on, Buckeyes! It's like they just didn't seem to, you know, have it together, and and in many ways, first quarter, second quarter, they're trying to figure their opponent out, right? Because even if, when it came to halftime, even if the Buckeyes were down on the scoreboard when we got to halftime, Most games, we weren't really worried. Because why? Because we knew during halftime, they were going to make a game plan adjustment. Third quarter, the Buckeyes would come out and they would just pummel whoever they were playing. I look at 2020, this year, we're at halftime, sort of. Right, we're like halfway through 2020. And what do we see? There is so much division. And, and, you know, first quarter, second quarter of this year, have we not figured out the opponent's game plan? Like, isn't it obvious that our opponent, the other team on the field, the enemy, that he is all about division? And so it's time for us, it's time for us to make a game plan adjustment. And as Christians, as followers of Jesus, when we make a game plan adjustment, it's always an adjustment of the heart. And it's always an adjustment. It's always movement towards God and towards uh, towards each other. It's always an adjustment, movement towards love and towards kindness and towards patience. And, And many times, really most times, in order for us to make that adjustment, to make those movements, it requires an adjustment. It requires movement away from self, from ourselves. Uh, as God's people, we are called to, we are made. We are were, we were made to be united with one another. Let me read that definition again. United means made into or caused to act as a single entity. Now, when I read that, it's like, hey, that, that rings a bell in my mind. That, that reminds me of something. That picture of this group of people brought together to form, to function, united as a single entity. And, and, and then I realized the Bible paints a picture of that, right? What do we see in the Bible when it talks about who we are as a church family? We are one body, 20 points, one body with many different parts. And, and when you look at us as a church family, as a body, the goal for us as a church family is not, it's not our personal fulfillment. The goal for us is our corporate, our body fulfillment, so what's, what's God's plan for us as a body? Ephesians 4.15 says this. It says, uh, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow, we as a body, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him, Jesus, who is the head, that is Christ. From him, from Jesus, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. When I look at that passage, uh, one of the things that jumps out at me is that the sign of a healthy Christian community, the sign of a, of a church family that's growing, that's maturing, a sign is our unity. But notice in that passage, it's, it, it says, hey, but for us to move, for us to grow, for us to mature, for us as a church family to move towards unity, uh, it's going to take work. It means each part needs to do its work. So what is the work? What is the the work that each part needs to do for this body to move more and more towards unity? Well, it's the hard work of moving towards we instead of me. It's that adjustment I'm talking about. It's, It's the hard work of going against the grain of our humanity to put more weight, to put more value, to put more importance on what's best for us over what's best for me. And what I'm talking about is this wonderful thing that the Bible touches on over and over and over, this thing called self-denial. And, and if you really, if you look at the teachings of, of Jesus, if you look at the life of Jesus, at the heart of following Jesus is, self, uh, is self-denial. Um, Jesus said this in Mark 8. Just picture this. It says, then he called. Jesus, you know, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. All these people, hey, 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 come here, everybody. And he says this to them. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, you're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me, Jesus says. For, for the gospel, for the good news, for the kingdom way. Whoever loses their life for me in the gospel will actually save it. And when I look at that, I think, who would say yes to that? Because for many of us, looking around this room, many of us, you've heard that verse many times. But think about what Jesus is saying. Like if Jesus and I worked for the same company and we're, you know, we're salesmen, I would take Jesus aside. I'd say, hey man, let me give you a word of advice. If you want to make sales, you better change your pitch. Because it's like, it's not, you're not going to make a lot of sales getting up in front of people and saying, hey, you, you know, you like, you like the, you know, the product I offer? You've been watching me do all these miracles and you're looking at me going, who is, like, who, there's no one like this guy, right? And you want to come follow me? Well, let me tell you what it's going to take, what it's going to cost you to follow me. You need to deny yourself. You need to lay down your rights to come follow me. But think about that. Is, is that not what we have said yes to in following Jesus? And when, when you look at self-denial, that's not just hard work. Let's be honest. That's impossible work for us to do on our own. It literally, for that to happen, it literally needs God himself to take up residence in your heart and in my heart and to change us from the inside out, and it's one of the reasons why in the vineyard we pray over and over and over, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. We, we can't do this without you. We can't be the people of God. We can't be the body you want us to be. We can't, you know, do the work you've given us to do. We can't do it without you, Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.19 says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you, you know, you go your own way, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, FM radio, and other sins like these. Just making sure you're listening. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If that's what you choose, what he's saying is you're not going to experience the incredible adventure Jesus is inviting us into. The incredible kingdom adventure, verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God wants to grow in you. That's what God wants to, you know, to grow in me. And, 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 and so when you look at this thing of self-denial and like why is it important Right? Like, why is it important that uh, for for us to uh, to deny ourselves and, and this whole thing of moving towards towards unity? Why is that important? Well, it's important because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, if we really are one body, as the Bible says, if we really are one body, and if we really are His body, well then the more united we are as a body, the healthier we are. That just makes sense. And the more united we are, the clearer we reflect Jesus to the world. Jesus said this to his followers. John 13. Hey, everybody, a new command I give you. You want to follow me? You need to deny yourself. You want to follow me? You need to love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What is it that demonstrates to the world that we're followers of Jesus? What is it? Yeah, a safe answer. (laughs) That's always a safe answer in church. Love. It's our love for each other. It's our unity. Can you see why division is the game plan of the enemy? Like, can you see why he is just bang, 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 just working constantly to drive wedges? wherever he can in, in, in this body. And can you see how division is? If, we're, if we get you know s- separated as a body, can you see how division gets in the way of us being the people of God, of us being the body of Christ, of us being able to you know, <clears throat> partner with him and function in what he's made us to do? So how do we respond to this challenge? How do we re- respond to this challenge of self-denial, <clears throat> this call for a game plan adjustment? What will it take for us to move from a focus on me to a focus on we? How do we do this hard work of maturing and growing into a, a unified body? Matthew four nineteen says this. <clears throat> Jesus said, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. I will send you out to do the work I have for you. Verse 20, at once they left their nets and followed him. Simple, simple little verse, verse 20, but it's super profound. This is a story of Jesus calling some of the first disciples to come and follow him. And for them to follow Jesus, it meant what? It meant they had to leave their nets. For them to say yes to Jesus, it meant, really for them it meant they left their careers in order to take hold of the call God had on their lives. Now what I'm not saying is we all need to quit our jobs Please don't hear that if you're taking notes. But what I felt like the Lord said to me was this, that when he invited you to follow him, right, when he invited us to follow him, we all had nets in our hands. And, and maybe today, maybe you're in the room right now and, and you just have a sense that maybe, maybe Jesus is inviting you to come follow him. And, and either way, when we come to Jesus, we all come to Jesus and our hands are filled with nets. And what do I mean by nets? What I mean is we come to him, our hands are filled with our worldviews, with our opinions, with our our beliefs, with our biases, with our fears, with our dreams, and and nets that are not necessarily good or bad, but they're nets that are filling our hands up. And so now we're not able to take hold of anything else because our hands are full. And so just like the disciples, for us to answer the call of Jesus, for what he wants to do in and through us, for us to answer that call with a yes, it means that we're going to have to leave our nets. We're going to have to let go of all these things that fill our hands so that we can now take hold of him. So that now we, we can take hold of his plans and, and of his ways. And have you not discovered, though, this isn't a, it's not a one-time thing that you do. This is what it means to be a Christian. It's a, it's, it's a constant uh, letting go, laying down of our nets, because, uh, well, I do know about you, we're the same. We, we always grab our nets. We always go back to them and pick them up. And we have to, you know, constantly make that decision to lay those nets down so that we can do what God's, or grab hold of what God has for us. And I believe that we are living in a significant time, and for us to be and do what God has for us to do in this significant time, game plan adjustment is required. A laying down, an emptying of our hands, right? A laying down of our nets is totally required. And, you know, and, and I, I, I know for myself these last few weeks, I've been laying a lot of nets down. And, and really, you know, we use that language a lot here of making exchanges where, and really for me, a lot of it's been repenting. Because some of the nets I've had been holding on to haven't been very nice nets, if you will. I hope that's not getting confusing. But I've found over the last few weeks in making this exchange, it's really been a time of going, okay, Lord, here's what's in my heart. My opinions and my opinions that I want everyone to hear. My frustrations, my anger at at just all that's going on. my, My judgments, my desire to lash out at times. God, here's what's in my heart. I give it to you. In exchange, will you in return now give me what's in your heart? See, that's a picture of, of that unity and the strength of our unity that we're a bunch of people that have chosen. We've made a choice to let go of our nets, and we've all turned towards Jesus, and we've all taken hold of him. We've taken hold of a vision, a kingdom vision of, of, of someone who is, way, who is way bigger than ourselves. And, and I am convinced in this time of so much... Uh, division like a divided darkness on our planet we as God's people have an incredible opportunity to shine light to shine light into that darkness Chuck Colson once said this the darker it gets the brighter the light shines so simple but so so profound and i remember uh, as a teenager i heard a story <clears throat> and it was back in the 80s the 1980s <laughs> okay that's funny to me, but you don't have to laugh. Uh, I can't see your laugh. I can hear it, but I can't see it. But I remember hearing a story about the bubonic plague, also known as the Black Death. And this was back in like the 1300s, 1340s, 1350s. And it was a plague that you know, went around the planet. And it was estimated that at that time, a third of the world's population died from this plague. And at that time, they you know, again, uh, guesstimating, like 20 million people died. And that plague literally sent a shock wave of fear around the planet as it spread around the planet. And, and it really, you know, going through cities and villages and just all these gatherings of people, and it literally created this current. It just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And it was a current of basically everyone for themselves, you know, you're on your own and, 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 and there are stories, there are stories in this time of people literally, you know, caught up in this current, like parents literally abandoning their children and just leaving them and just saying, well, we're out of here. We need to protect ourselves, right? There's stories of husbands abandoning, fam- like, all, like families, friends, just people caught up in that current and just rushing out of the cities to get away from that from that plague. But there are also stories, uh, historical stories, that tell the story of another group of people who, uh, while they felt that current, they chose to turn against that current. And as other people are running out of the cities, these people are going back into the cities. And these people were Christians, people just like you, people just like me. And they're going back into the city to care for those who are sick, to care. For the dying, to care for those who have been left. And I remember hearing that story as a teenager and it just hit me deep in my heart. I remember praying to God saying, oh, that's the kind of Christian I wanna be. I wanna be a Christian like that, that is so in love with you and so filled with your spirit that I, that I have a kingdom perspective that I don't have to be afraid for my life. And I don't have to be afraid to lay down my rights for the sake of another. That I, don't, like, that I actually could experience the joy of gladly laying down my rights in order to go now and be Jesus, to be Jesus to another person. And, and I, I believe we're in a similar time to what I just, the story I just shared. And I, I don't mean a third of the planet's gonna die. What I mean is there is a plague that's moving around the world. And it's a plague that's stirring up a current and a current of, of, of division, a current of, you know, that's really like very me focused. And, and I am convinced that God has us in the right place for such a time as this. Like I, I believe with all my heart that we were made for such a time as this. Do you know why I, I believe that? Because if you have a pulse right now, <laughs> that means you were made for such a time as this that we get to be those people who turn into the current and, and go against the grain of our culture right now. We get to go into dark places and we get to be light. We get to bring the light of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, the promises of Jesus. We get to be the good news bearers to spread peace, to spread hope, all these different things. I am convinced God has a strategic place for this time. But it's gonna start, it's gonna have to start with a game plan adjustment. And that adjustment has to start right here for you and for me in our hearts, where we say, come Holy Spirit, search me, change me, fill me. And as as we start getting changed here, it's got to spread into here, where we as a church family learn how to work things through, learn how to fight for each other, right? Not against each other. And as and as we are getting this thing, and as we are getting, you know, we're growing and maturing, we're getting more and more unified. What does it say? It's it, the world's gonna. The world's gonna look at that, and it's we're gonna have impact. It's gonna go beyond these walls, where now we get to be light bearers and truth bearers and hope bearers and peace bearers, in a in a world that, that is, so in need, of all those things. Why don't Why don't we stand up? Here's what we're gonna do.